Well, I'm glad they've got another bottle of water here since they changed me from electric to steam. Takes a little bit more to keep me going. Good to see your Aunt Teresa come back in this morning. And I didn't see any bruises on either one of them. Good to see your family here too, Tommy. Appreciate you being here. Scotty's on vacation. So I'll let you know I'm preaching again next Sunday in case you want to go somewhere else. <laughs> Always a privilege and to be able to stand for our Lord and be able to uh, share the Word of God together. Take your Bibles this morning and uh, turn with me, if you will, over into the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, probably not going to read very much there. But as most of you know, Mary and I took a little journey here a while back uh, to get something off of our bucket list. Uh, and as I drove along the difficult roads that uh, we traveled, uh, I had to watch out for uh, road signs. Uh, and most of the roads posted uh, along the road were just what you would say informational signs. Uh, I mean, I saw signs like, welcome to, uh, uh, where did we go? Uh, <laughs> welcome to Kansas and welcome to Oregon and uh, welcome to California and uh, welcome to Arizona and all like that. Uh, so these signs uh, that I saw along the road, uh, they simply informed me in what state I was in. Then I saw advertising signs along the road, places that we could uh, get fuel at, uh, signs like Pilot Station and Love and some of the others. Uh, and then there was those signs that says uh, Cracker Barrel at certain, certain exit. Uh, uh, and so I paid special attention to those. Uh, and then I paid attention to signs like uh, where it said detour. And especially when I would come up on signs that said uh, right lane closed or left lane closed. Uh, and so each of the signs that I read along the road uh, were designed to help us get from one place to another. So in a similar way, God in His providence uh, has placed a number of signs along the highway of life. Uh, and uh, we often think of them as being signs of prophecy. God that has foretold some things that are out there. Uh, and throughout the history of the church, prophecy uh, has received a lot of attention. Everybody wants to know What's going to happen? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen when we get there? So everybody's interested in that. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of books that have been written that are out there on the shelf. Uh, uh, theological people that are trying to interpret the Scriptures to say that this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Uh, and uh, my desire as a pastor teacher over the years... Uh, is to understand the teaching of the Bible uh, and apply the truth that is found in the Word of God about Bible prophecy. Uh, I find it fascinating that the Bible 
gives more space to prophecy than maybe anything else. Uh, there are over 1,800 prophecies in the, the Word of God concerning the first and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of people get them confused. we got a lot of people today that put them all together. Um, uh, a lot of people have the church confused and they put the church plumb back in the Old Testament and it's not there. It, it's just simply not there. Uh, so most people are interested in what's going to take place uh, uh, in, in the future. We have all encountered a very difficult year, wouldn't you say? With the COVID epidemic like it's had, it's still going on. Uh, and uh, it's been asked time and time again. I've even been asked, uh, is the COVID-19 some sign from God uh, that we are nearing toward the end of time? Uh, uh, is the COVID-19 pointing to the rapture of the church? Uh, uh, I don't specifically find anything in the scripture other than it tells us in the latter days that there's going to be pestilence and there's going to be famine and there's going to be sickness and, 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 and these kind of things. Uh, I'm going to say this up front. For the rapture of the church is a signless event. Uh, <coughs> I hope you get that. In Matthew chapter number 24, uh, uh, I'm not going to read all of that. I'm just going to kind of uh, paraphrase some of it. Uh, but Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives. He was with His disciples. Uh, and they came unto Him. And they said unto Him, Tell us when shall these things be? And what is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And then you can go ahead and read the, the rest of the chapter. And then when you get into chapter number 25, you're given many, many different signs that points to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I say to you that the rapture for the church is a signless event. It talks about deception. It talks about wars. It talks about famine. It talks about pestilence and earthquakes. But it's important to realize that none of these things really <coughs> point to the rapture of the church. No signs will be given to prepare the world for the arrival of the rapture. It can happen any moment. Possibly. What a blessing it would be if it took place before we left here. I don't have to go back home. My wife's fixed lunch. We'll leave that to the rest of you. Go by and get in. Uh, but we're looking for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which simply means that it can happen at any moment. <clears throat> so without any signs, without any warning, Jesus could return for His church and take us all to heaven at any given moment of time. Paul understood this, and that's the reason he said what he did in the book of Titus, chapter number 2, verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope uh, and the 
and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he understood that the Lord is going to come again. Most of you here today, maybe you understand the Lord is going to come again. <coughs> Trust that you'll pray for us. <clears throat> Last year, I believe it was, I was diagnosed with COPD. And it gives me, <clears throat> it gives me trouble. Never smoked. Other people did, I guess. But I'm, I, I'm a candidate of doing something that if you Vietnam guys went to Vietnam years ago, they sprayed over their aged orange for you to kill the vegetation there. They experimented with me and several other guys. We sprayed it before it ever got there. And they didn't tell us you had to wear a mask. They didn't tell us you had to do anything. So they just told us to go spray it. So maybe I'm a candidate from the government. Anyhow, pray for us. <clears throat> if I get to coughing too much and barking, I'll get Tommy to sing another song. <laughs> the rapture of the church is a sudden event. I think it was Paul who gave to us or emphasized the suddenness of the rapture. When he wrote in 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15, verse number 52, where he tells us there, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Paul's reference to the twinkling of an eye brings to the image what we feel like the blinking of the eye. But Paul's uh, twinkling probably does not mean blinking of the eye, uh, but it refers to the amount of time it takes uh, for light to travel at 186,000 miles per second uh, to be reflected upon the retina of the eye. Somewhere around three quarters of a, of, of a second is how quick that would be. So the whole event occurs uh, here suddenly at the speed of life. In less than a second of time, the Lord will call His believers to Himself uh, and uh, we shall share in His glory. Uh, I know we've all talked about being out in the cemetery and God knocking holes all in the ground out there and getting people up. He don't have to knock a hole nowhere to get anybody up. He's just going to get them up. And where we go with the clouds or the, cl uh, the, the clouds of the clouds, it makes no difference to be absent from the body is to be present with our Lord. And then there's there's not only the sudden event of the rapture, but the church is a surprising event. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verses 1 and 2, where it says, But of the times and the seasons, uh, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And if you know what time the thief was going to come, you'd be ready for him. But you don't know when he's going to come. So we don't know when Jesus is going to, uh, going to come. Uh, if you hear or you read about someone who says that they know when Jesus is going to come, then you stay away from them. Because they don't know when Jesus is going to come. Um, to claim knowledge of the Lord's return, to know what even the angels in heaven don't know, and even Jesus did not know while He was here upon the earth, because the Word of God says in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angel of heaven, but my Father only. So nobody knows. Several years ago, I received a letter in the mail by name, written by a man by the name of Wessonant. Some of you may have got that. Goes back a ways. 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come in 88. And I read that and burn it. Because nobody knows. The next year I got another letter from the same gentleman. He misfigured the lineup of the planets. And he gave me a letter on why the 88 reasons is going to happen in 89. You know what I did with that, too. I burn it. Several years went by before I got another one. On telling me they knew, or he knew, when Jesus is going to come. It's going to be a surprising event. Nobody knows when that is going to happen. And some of, these, some of this crowd that uh, seems like they got it figured out, uh, when that does take place and we're going up together to meet the Lord in the air, I'm going to look over at him and say, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. You didn't know. So since no one knows, we should be encouraged to know that it could happen at any moment, huh? One of the things that I notice in studying the Word of God, and that is, all the passages that I read that speaks about the rapture of the church makes it very clear that it's for believers only. For believers only. Number four, the rapture for the church is a selective event. Most of us know when Jesus was speaking to His disciples uh, um, as believers in God, and He was about to tell them something in the Word of God that was for believers only. Uh, and He went on to tell them that He was soon going to leave them, uh, and as He would leave them, He was going to prepare a place for them in the Father's house. Uh, and He tells us there in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled, uh, 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. In order to make you shout for the glory of God. Don't be so dead. Some of you need to check, see if your heart's beating. So they're coming again in the moment. The entire chapter there speaks about the rapture as a family. It's a family affair reserved to only those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have it? Are you here today? Are you saved? Do you know if this was to take place even this morning that you could go uh, up into heaven. And then you have First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, there in verses 13 and 14 and 15. And Paul's main message there is on, on, on the rapture. There in verse 13 he, he begins his event by referring to his readers as brethren. I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are dead that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And then there in verse number 14 he, event, he identifies uh, them as those who believe that Jesus died and, and rose again. For if we believe that for if we believe that Jesus died, do you believe that Jesus died? Do you believe that Jesus died and three days later He was resurrected from the tomb? Do you believe that Jesus walked up on the face of the earth for some 40 days and then ascended into heaven and said, I'm coming back again? Do you believe that? For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. And then verse 16, he describes the deceased family members of the Thessalonian church as being dead in Christ. For the Lord himself. You ought to underscore that right there. The Lord himself. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ. Most of that bunch is Baptists. They were dead before they ever got dead. They're dead in Christ. Hey, listen, I'm far enough down the road I don't have to impress anybody. I've been doing this long enough to know, and I've done seen it all, so it don't, it don't bother me. So passages like this gives no doubt that the rapture of the church is restricted to believers only, the born again. Number five, the rapture for the church is a strengthened event. Uh, so Paul tells both the Thessalonians and even the believers today, it's not just enough to understand why he has been telling us about the rapture of the church, uh, but he says our understanding our understanding should cause us to fulfill 
what he said there in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. When we suffer the loss of a member of the family or a friend, in fact, I, I, I had the funeral of a very dear friend Friday. And as I went into, the, uh, went into the funeral home and looked into the face of Miss Jenny, and she's the one that used to kind of instigate some of our travel plans over the, over the United States. And I said to her, she didn't hear me, but I said, Miss Jenny, you've taken a trip that none of us have taken yet. But if the Lord don't come, I'm going to take it along with you. But I'd rather him come get us. So just tell him to come on any time. One thing that I noticed in studying the Word of God, and that is um, after the Lord's resurrection, it simply says that when Stephen died and were being stoned to death, it just simply said he fell asleep. And it goes on to say, after David served his own generation by the will of God, it said he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. And then Peter comes on and he said, knowing this, that I must shortly put off this tabernacle. So death is not mentioned anymore. He just simply says here, uh, he's talking about, I like, what, I, I like what they said in the Word of God. I believe it was Paul or maybe it was Peter 1. He's talking about the matter. He speaks about a vessel. He's talking about a ship. And he says, he's talking about the matter. He says, it's loosed its more and it's, it's received its, its ropes from the, the port that it was at. And it just kind of went out into the way of life and raised up its, raised up its sails. Uh, and away we travel into this place. God has prepared for us. So God abolished the term death. It's no longer appropriate for the believer. Yes, the body goes back to the earth. Where I came from. But the soul and the spirit goes to be with the Lord. In what form, I really don't know yet. And you don't either. I know I've heard, I've heard Charles Long came up to me and he said, how many funerals do you think you preached? I said, hundreds. And I've been to hundreds and even thousands of funerals, I might say. And for me to got up last Friday and said that Miss Jeannie and Bill, that was her husband, now she's rejoined Bill up in heaven and uh, they're living down in that golden mansion down on glory hallelujah avenue and uh, they're just having a big time that's not happened yet god is not done with the place he's made for i saw some beautiful places mary and i viewed some stuff that was mind-boggling but the eye has never seen the ear has ever heard the things that god has prepared for them who love him Yes. The rapture of the church is a sequence of events. Uh, let me point out some to this quickly. First Thessalonians 4, there's his return. The Lord himself, I said underline that. 
He's not going to send an angel, but the Lord himself. He'll descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. He's fulfilling a passage of scripture that when he got ready to leave the world, if you remember, back in Acts chapter number 1, there in verse number 11, Jesus began to ascend into the heavens, uh, and the and the angels came on the scene and says, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? Uh, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So Jesus is to descend in the same manner in which you ascended. So I expect him to come personally, and I expect him to come physically. Yes. Second of all, there's the resurrection, verse 15. First Thessalonians 4, 15. Those who are asleep. That describes the state of every believer today that is in the cemetery. The body's back there, not the soul and the spirit. So he tells us there that those who are dead in Christ, in body, will not be left. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, with the trump of God, dead in Christ shall rise, uh, shall rise up first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there's the redemption. Paul in his letter to the Romans, and we've been studying that this, even this morning. He wrote of the change as part of the resurrection that is going to take place when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I realize um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 15, he spoke of those who are alive and remain. They shall be changed. In other words, let me put it this way. If the trumpet were to sound, I'm listening for it. If the trumpet were to sound, if you're here and you're not saved, do you realize this coat I'm wearing wouldn't have time to hit the floor before I left it? Now that's fast. That's fast. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be chained. And Paul talked about there in Romans 8, 23, he's talked about the redemption of the body. And then there in Philippians, he spoke of that moment in chapter 3, verse number 21, where it says, we, when he transforms our lowly body, that it might be conformed to his glorious body. And then 1 John 3 and 2 tells us, we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I noticed the other Sunday that Scotty's taking up my habit. He's trying to sing. <clears throat> We've got, a, we've, we've got a contract where they win now. Just as soon as they recognize how good we are.
I walked out on the back porch this morning early, pondering in my heart this day. Although I've been doing this a long, long time, you've got to study every week before. You've got to put time and effort into it. I walked out on the uh, back porch and I looked toward the east and an old song came to my mind that I had not heard in years. And I began to try to think of it. And it goes something like this. <clears throat> Some glorious morning sorrow will cease some glorious morning, all will be peace. Heartaches all ended, school days all done. Heaven will open, Jesus will come. Do you know it? Some golden daybreak. If you know it, sing it with some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak for me for you I used to go to a little church not far down the road from where I lived over in Habersham County and I'd go down there to preach and there was a little lady down there little petite lady white hair little lady and that was her favorite song. And if I preached, she'd say, you want me to sing that song? Her name was Miss Ella Crane. And Miss Ella Crane would get up there and she'd sing that song. And when she'd get down there, she'd say, Oh, what a meeting in the sky. No tears nor crying shall dim our eyes. Loved ones united eternally. Oh, what a daybreak that morn will be. And she'd clap her hands together, and I can see her even now. She'd begin to shout. You say, what is that? That's something that people that was close to the Lord used to do. And she'd sing again. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. I can't sing it like you, man. Some golden daybreak. For me, for you. Revelation 21, 27 in closing. 
There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I close by saying, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt? That God has written your name in the Lamb's book of life. Are you ready for the rapture? Father, thankful for this day. <coughs> Thank you that you gave me another opportunity. Enough breath in my lungs to breathe out the gospel of the word of God again. Lord, I pray today if there's someone here that's not prepared, their name has never been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. I pray, God, that this will be the moment of time. They'll, they'll come under conviction by the Holy Spirit of God and simply invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into their life that if the rapture were to take place before we leave here, they could go to heaven when this life is over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.